Good morning, church. I know it's been a week. We've had a holiday. We've had Black Friday. We have all kinds of things, but I am excited about the word today. Now, I am, um, this message is, uh, this Sunday is a little bit fun for me because this is the first time that Matt, my husband, and I are preaching the same message at two different communities. He's up on the Upper West Side right now. And so Matt and I, I admit, we enjoy a little friendly, healthy competition, and so all week long, it's been sort of the dueling messages, and who's going to be better, whose message is going to be better. And so I know that Matt is on the Upper West Side right now, openly soliciting people to post on social media, because that's his proof that his message is actually better than mine. But here at downtown, we're going to keep it holy. However... If you need me to stop and pose at any time during this message, feel free to do so. I'm just kidding. So I'm excited about this message because I believe and have been praying. I love every one of you with a phone right now. Let me just say, you're my people, thank you. But I am praying and I believe that God has a promise that he is going to speak to you today. Maybe this is a new promise that he is speaking over your life. Or maybe this is a message, maybe this is a promise that he has given you before and he wants to remind you that he is still faithful, even if you have forgotten that promise. But my hope and my prayer is that you have an encounter with the Holy of Holies this morning, speaking to your heart. And it is also my hope and my belief that this message will give you the inspiration and equip you to step forward in faith towards the promise that God is calling you to. So let's pray. Father God. We just pray against any distraction here this morning. We pray against anything that might weigh on our, our minds. We praise you that you have already declared victory over whatever the enemy might be throwing at us right now. So we set it aside. Stir our hearts. Speak to us. We come before you expectant for an encounter with the living God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as... Um, as Cody said, we're talking about our legacy series today, and we're talking about faith. Now, when I hear the word legacy, I always think of a man named Bill. Now, Bill was a day laborer um, at an auto factory. Bill was not the kind of man that they erect statues in his honor. And it's unlikely that we are ever going to see Bill's name on the side of a university library or a new hospital wing. But Bill was one of the great ones. And he left a powerful legacy. See, Bill was the only boy of his siblings. He had sisters. And as the only boy, he was routinely singled out by his father for verbal and physical abuse. He spent his entire childhood living in fear. And statistically speaking, Bill should have grown up and repeated that cycle in his own family. However, Bill made a decision. Bill said, I will never, ever raise a hand to one of my children. Bill grew up, met a sassy young bride. He went off to war, came back. They got married. They had four sons. One of those sons grew up and had two sons of his own. 
True to his word, Bill never raised a hand to any one of his children. And because of that fact, those sons do not know what it means to live in fear of their father. Now, I know this because Bill was my father-in-law, Matt's dad. And when I see the kind of husband that Matt is, the kind of father that he is, and the kind of leader that he is, I am so grateful to Bill. I am so grateful that Bill made that decision and then had the courage and the conviction to live that decision out every single day. Unfortunately, we lost Bill nine years ago this week, but his legacy lives on because that's what legacy does. It lives on long after we're gone. See, all of us, all of us have a legacy that has been passed down to us. And all of us are leaving a legacy. Note that I didn't say we will leave a legacy, but that we are leaving a legacy. Because our legacy is the decisions that we make and the conviction that we have to live out those decisions every single day. I want to encourage you to think about legacy like this. Do you guys know those um, 23andMe, Ancestry.com, right? We have these kits, and we can, I guess you take blood or something, and you send it out, and they send it back, and there's a report that tells you all about your genetic DNA. You're Norwegian, you're uh, Nigerian, you're whatever it is, but it tells you what your genetic makeup is. And that genetic makeup is going to determine things about you. It's going to determine the color of your skin. It's going to determine your features. Now, whatever comes in that report, whatever your genetic DNA is, you get what you get, right? That is your genetic DNA. But I want to encourage you to think about your legacy as a sort of spiritual DNA. What are the things that have been passed down from generation to generation if you could send out for that report and it came back, what would you see? Maybe you would see generosity or faith or kindness. Or maybe you would see fear or a poverty mentality or addiction or abuse. You see, just as genetic DNA influences things about us, this spiritual DNA also influences things about us. It influences how we think. It influences what we believe. It, in, it influences what we believe our own limitations are for our own life and for our own legacy. But here's the good news. Unlike genetic DNA, which cannot change, spiritual DNA can be changed in Christ. Now, I don't know what your story is, and I know that there are some of you here today who grew up and you had a wonderful childhood. White picket fence, two dogs in the yard, whole thing. And if that's you, I just want to honor how you have been blessed in that way. And I know that there are some of you who are like, Don, that is not my story at all. 
And if that's you, I just want to say how so very sorry I am if you were ever made to feel anything less than loved and protected and valued. But the truth is that probably most of us fall somewhere in between. I bet most of us in this room could pull out a piece of paper, write down two columns, and on one side, write all of the things that we were handed down that we are grateful for and that we definitely want to pass down to future generations. And I bet we could also have a column of things that we would rather not continue, things that we would like to say, let this end with me by the grace of God. See, God longs to give you a new legacy. God longs to give you a new direction, to give you a new name, and to give you a new story. But in order to do that, God needs something from us. He needs our faith. You know, when um, I got married for the first time at 40, I had been single so long that I like to say I had turned pro, but <laughs> the reason I had waited so long is the truth is marriage terrified me. I was terrified to get married. Now, the reason for that was that when I was young, my mother was struggling with some things that created some dynamics in our home. God did reconcile that later, but I grew up believing that it was a foregone conclusion that I would repeat those same dynamics in my own marriage. I believed I was doomed to fail. But when Matt and I were engaged, something transformational happened in my life. You see, after my mom had died, we discovered that she had been carrying a secret. A secret that no one knew. Not us kids, not her husband, not her family. No one knew. Literally took this secret to the grave. I found out when I, one day when I got a call that there was another child. My mother, back in the 60s, had gotten pregnant out of wedlock, and she had given a baby daughter up for adoption. And I met her, her name's Lori, and found out at 40 that I had a biological sister. And one of the things that Lori gave me was a copy of all the notes that the adoption agency workers had taken when my mom went to them to go through the adoption process. And so I read those, and I learned things I had never known about my mom. I learned that she loved someone deeply who walked out on her when he found out she was pregnant. And she was working as a secretary um, for the government at the time. This was back in the 60s. And her boss told her that the fact that she was pregnant, pregnant had brought so much shame on the office that she had to leave her job. And I learned that after she gave her daughter up for adoption, that she would call the agency every single day, multiple times a day, crying, asking if her daughter was okay. And as I read through those notes and I learned these things that I never knew before, I began to cry. I cried first because of the shame that my mother carried and that she never felt like she could talk to us about it. I cried because my mother in her natural life never knew that her daughter had been adopted by the most wonderful, caring parents and had an amazing life. 
But I also cried because in that moment, I understood that I was free. In that moment, I could hear the voice of God say, now do you understand? Her burden was never your burden to carry. Her story was never your story. So now, will you trust me to write a new story for you? It was all about faith. Even though I believed in God, even though I was in church every Sunday, I just never, it had never occurred to me that God wanted to rewrite a story in my own life. And faith is the key. Faith is the key that propels us to step forward. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we uh, hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Today, as we're talking about legacy, I love the version of Hebrews 11.1 1 in the message, which says the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Listen, the act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. Faith reshapes legacy. Now, faith is powerful. Jesus tells us in Matthew 17, 20, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I've read this verse many times, and I love this verse. And I think I had always sort of thought of this in terms of like, Oh, there's a mountain. Woo, there it went. And yes, God can heal in a moment. Yes, God can bring provision in a moment. Yes, God can deliver in a moment. But lately I've been challenged and convicted to think of this verse a little bit differently. What if the faith to move mountains is really about the faith to get up every single day, go to the mountain, Put our shovel in, dig up the dirt, move over here, and move the mountain. What if it is not something that happens in a moment, but what if it is the faith again and again and again every day to do what God asks, no matter how long it takes, because we are convinced that God's promises are always true. See, without faith, we can give up before we get to the fulfilled promise. We can think it's too hard. It's taking too long. I don't see how this can work. Without faith, we can forfeit our promise. Instead of responding in faith, we can doubt the blessing. We pray for a job with our dream job, dream company, and God gives us an interview and we say, oh, they'll probably choose someone else. Or we pray for a new relationship and that person comes into our life and we think, oh, it probably won't work out. Or we pray for provision for today and God brings that provision, but we are consumed with worry if God will provide again the next day. We saw this in the Israelites as they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. They received blessing after blessing, but you know what? It never strengthened their faith. 
God delivered them out of bondage. They wanted to go back. God met their needs. It wasn't enough. But how we respond when God gives us a promise is going to determine if we get into our promised land. See, the Israelites could never see beyond their current circumstances. All their faith is, was in what they could see, but faith is what cannot be seen. But with faith, we know that whatever has been handed down to us as our legacy does not have to be our story or the story for the generations who follow. With faith, we know that God will give us a new legacy. When we respond to God's promises in faith, God gives us a new direction. He gives us a new name and he gives us a new story. And this transforms our legacy. It transforms our legacy in our family. It transforms our legacy in our city, in our community. It even transforms our legacy in our nation and our world. This is why I love the legacy offering that we do every year because one day I know I will leave New York by car, by plane, by train, by casket, whatever it is. But I believe that when I leave, New York will not be the same city when I got here. Not because of what I did, but because of the faith and how I poured into what God was doing. So today, we're going to look at how do we get that kind of faith. How do we get the kind of faith that transforms our legacy? Well, we're going to start by looking at the story of Abraham. Now, if you don't know the story of Abraham, this is a story that we see in Genesis and it is a couple, Abraham and Sarah, originally Abram and Sarai. And they are an old couple. They have not had any children, which at that time is a source of shame. And they are unable to bear children. Sarah is already 65. And God comes in and promises Abraham that he will make him the father of many nations. Now, Abraham's story is important to us for a few reasons. One, because he is the father of our faith. Two, because it is through Abraham's descendants that we are given a savior, Jesus. And also because Abraham models for us the kind of faith that responds when God gives a promise that is pleasing to God. Now, Abraham was 75 when God gave him the promise, and he was 100 when that promise was fulfilled. There were 25 years. So today we're going to take a look at what happened in those 25 years and how Abraham walked out the kind of faith that gets up every single day and believes that God's promises are true. So number one, by faith, God gives us a new direction. In Genesis 12, 1 and 4, it says, The Lord said to Abram, later became Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out 
from Haran. Now there's a couple of things that are really interesting about the story of Abraham when God meets him there when he is 75. And one of the things is that Abraham was comfortable. Abraham had a good life. You know, sometimes we find um, in life we get to places where we feel like all hope is lost or we feel like we're so, um, so far gone and we fall to our knees. And in those moments, it feels like it's sometimes almost easier to be obedient because we have nothing to lose. But that was not Abraham's story. God was saying, I know your life is good. I want you to trust me that I am calling you to something better. And the other part of Abraham's story is that he was immediately obedient, even though he didn't know where God was calling him or what that would look like. He didn't ask a lot of questions. He didn't have to like, let me just sit with this. He didn't ask, how is this going to work or where are you going or why me? He didn't question if he was ready. He didn't question if he was qualified, and he didn't question if he was capable because his faith was not in him but in God. He said yes. He moved forward, and in doing so, he set out on a pilgrimage. God literally gave Abraham a new direction. When God gives us a promise, we have a choice. We can stay safe and comfortable. We can question it. We can question if it's really a word for us. Or we can simply set out trusting God that whatever our current situation is, God is a God of better. Our response when God gives us a promise will determine our direction. Second, by faith, God gives us a new name. See, God gave Abraham a new name. We see this in Genesis 17, 3 through 5, which says, Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Here is what is so amazing about this story is that God gave this, God gave Abraham a new name when he was 99 years old. Remember, God gave him the promise when he was 75. So Abraham had walked in faith and obedience for more than two decades before God gave him a new name. The new name did not come with a promise. The new name came with the response to the promise. We see this in Romans um, 4, uh, 18, and this is the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Roman church um, is recounting the story of Abraham. And he says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. God's promise, there's God's promise, and there's our response to God's promise. And our response, just as in Abraham, and so became, because against all hope, he believed. Now, Abraham models a lot of what faith looks like for the long haul. We see in Romans 4.19, without weakening his faith, 
he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. See, the thing about, uh, that I love about this faith that Abraham models is that he was not wearing rose-colored glasses. He wasn't walking around in the world saying, I have no accountability to the situation because I know that God is going to handle it. He knew the facts. He could see the facts. But again, his faith was not in the facts before him, but in a God who was greater. In Romans 4, 20 through 21, it says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he, prom what he had promised. You see, one of the things that I really appreciate about Abraham's story of faith is it is a story of perseverance, not perfection. There are parts of Abraham's story in which he did not have a perfect faith. When he, um, about 10 years, 11 years after God gave him the promise, his wife Sarah decided that she was getting tired of waiting around and she was going to take matters into her own hands. And so she found a maidservant, Hagar, and she said, well, if Hagar and Abraham conceive, then maybe I can build my family that way. So that is, in fact, what happens, and Hagar has a son by the name of Ishmael. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this a little bit comforting. I find it comforting that the long haul is not only, um, that the long haul is about our faith not being perfect, not getting it right every single day, but again, getting up day after day after day and continuing to believe that God's promises are true no, long, no matter how long it takes. It is in this perseverance of faith that God gives us a new name. And number three, by faith, God rewrites our story. God rewrote Abraham's story. Abraham was an old man. His wife was older. Um, they were way beyond childbearing years. But God promised Abraham that if he looked up at the stars and could count the stars, that so would his offspring be. But here's the thing that's really amazing about Abraham. Abraham's faith did not just transform Abraham's life. Look at this. Because Abraham was faithful, his wife was blessed. Genesis 17, 15 through 16 says, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you will no longer call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings and people will come from her. So Abraham's faith transformed Sarah's life, but it also transformed his son's life. Um, Abraham had Ishmael from Hagar, and when God fulfilled the promise through Sarah, he had a son named Isaac. Then, uh, and this is in Genesis 17, 19, and 20, which says, Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. See, what's interesting is that because of Abraham's persevering faith, 
God blessed both of his sons, the one that was born outside of the promise and the one that was born in the promise. You can see here that God says, I have heard you, meaning that God answered Abraham's prayers for both of his sons to be blessed. So his wife was blessed, his sons were blessed, and his descendants were blessed. Genesis 17, 6 through 8 says, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant, covenant as an everlasting covenant between you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession uh, to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Because of Abraham's faith, God rewrote Abraham's story. God rewrote Abraham's family's story. And God rewrote the story of the generations that followed. See, God's promise met with Abraham's faith reshaped the legacy of countless generations to follow, giving them a new direction and a new name and a new story. So as the band comes, I wonder what promise is God speaking to you right now? What is he asking you to leave behind, to walk away from, to leave the good enough and trust him for the better? In what way is he asking you to step out in faith, to give you a new direction, a new name, a new story, and a powerful, lasting legacy. And how are you responding? Are you persevering in faith? What mountains are you moving? What mountains is God calling you to move? And what is the legacy that you are leaving today? Let's pray.